0: I I I thoroughly enjoyed this one. This was this was this was a lot fun. (laughs) Which one? This one. Yeah, this one. (laughs) They're all they're all fun. We're all having fun. Everyone's having fun doing these movies that are fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not tired and got a sore back. Definitely,
0: definitely
1: don't have that. I'm still pumped for this.
0: Welcome back to another episode of (laughs) Going Through the Motions with me, Callum.
1: And me, Alex. Did I
0: startle you you there?
1: Just a little bit.
0: The podcasting equivalent of realizing first thing in the morning that you forgot to take the bins out and you only remember uh, that when the bin man is outside and you can hear the bin truck reversing down your street and you go, oh no, that thing I should have done last night, uh, I forgot to do. And uh, and so you run down the stairs and hand the binman your garbage. Binman. The binman. Where you been, man? binman. binman. <laughs> and he goes, where you been? No, where yeah. you really been?
1: Binman. Is he friends with Ironman and Antman? <laughs> Antman and <laughs>
0: Ironman.
1: And Ironman. Ironman and Antman.
0: Oh, man. How have you been?
1: Uh, I'm good. I built a bedside table this morning.
0: You What?
1: <laughs> I built, I built a bedside table this morning.
0: Pray tell. What is the bedside table made of? What's the material? Wood. Did you find the wood down the back of a skip?
1: No, I found it in the box it came in.
0: Did you? What, as in like you got an Ikea table? Well, not Ikea,
1: Amazon, but yeah.
0: An Amazon different. table. Oh, I mean, well, me and Amazon third, are not into speaking third, terms. Third,
1: a third-party seller through Amazon, which I know you love even more. Oh, <laughs> How about, how about,
0: did I give them the update on that? Is that? Has that been updated? the Xbox latest?
1: Last week's episode, it just happened. It was not 24. It was not tw- 24 hours old, so you know, if you feel like it, maybe give the listeners an update.
0: I don't really know what there is to update. I got it changed. No. <laughs> but I got a nice little gift card from Barry in Customer Services, uh, nice. who who was, who, was very, who was very apologetic from it. Oh, it's it's one of these things where it's the most first world problem I've ever had. But it it was funny because I guess as, as a point of as a point of reference, we had one of our team meetings on Thursday and we were sort of we were in the group sort of, I guess, openly talking about maybe slight changes you've noticed in your mental psyche since we've been locked down for over six weeks. And I think the first thing, and maybe this is something that other listeners might feel feel, is that maybe that sense of Uh, empowerment that you once had that kind of that that firm grasp you had on the control that you you, you, with your with how you interact with organizations and companies and if you're annoyed you complain and your voice you feel in your head is listened to that's ever so slightly slowly started to drop away now that I can't get someone on the phone or instantly send an email to someone and that kind of level of lack of empowerment is starting to really piss me off and get me angry and I think it was just, a, it was a thing of that. It was just that kind of, it, it's amazing. As soon as, as soon as I can't send an email of, of complaint, it's like, oh, well, that's it. It's all, it's all over, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's all over.
0: But <laughs> well, uh, apart from that, it's fine. It's fine. It's such a mediocre story at
1: best. But my, my, my bedside table was a darn, darn sight more successful than your Xbox fiasco, I'll tell you that.
0: Can you see it? Can you get the bedside table up? go on but well,
1: it's already up no I as in, on the, on the screen
0: like get it up on the screen i want to see these things
1: what nah, great what, podca-
0: what great content no, no. get your bedside table up on the screen that no one can see this is really the I shoddiest podcast in the world yeah what's even
1: shoddier is i'm not even going to do it <laughs> that's how i'm my bedroom i don't want to
0: go that far a tin pot podcast talking of dressing people. <laughs> excellent i've got Right, I think we've got a packed show this week, so I think we get right into the meat of this, mate, because we have a lot to talk about. Just up top, we are a movie and music podcast. Each week we discuss the music from our favourite movies. We talk around why we like them, what we enjoyed about them, and specifically maybe some fun facts and trivia (coughs) around them. Uh, We, this week, are continuing on from last week's... uh, Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't. It was last month's. MCU Phase 1. We are now at MCU... Sorry, MCU Phase 1. We are now at the MCU Phase 2. Alex, do you want to talk a little bit briefly about what the MCU Phase 2 is? What does that mean? Give us a bit of context to this. Well,
1: the first phase was assembling the Avengers, right? Mm. The the last movie in that was Avengers, or depending on your region, Avengers assemble. Mm. So... We were introduced to the core characters and brought them together for this big threat at the end of the first phase. The second phase was really I felt, about the Avengers kind of defining themselves and finding out where they where they fit in the world. Mhm. Hey. Mm. And a lot of it was reactionary to other things that happened in Phase One movies. I know the first movie we're going to talk about, Iron Man Three, definitely delves into that quite heavily. Mm. Uh, and by the end, it, it raises some serious questions about what they're willing to do in the name of like global security, yes. and and whatnot. So it, it's a it's an interesting phase. It's definitely it's It's definitely more
0: grounded,
1: I think than phase three, which is really just throwing everything
0: out yeah every- I, I it's quite it's actually quite uh i think that the themes of it there's a lot of vulnerabilities in a lot of the characters in this phase, yeah. and it's it, it moves into uncharted territory because I think this is where even in phase one, all mainly origin movies, but this is the first phase of a collection of movies that are superhero where there's only a couple that are origin movies, but even those origin movies aren't your typical origins. I think Ant-Man yeah, is the only real typical origin movie in this. Was it two from six?
1: Two yeah, from six and
0: because I wouldn't say Guardians is a typical origins movie because that's also very new and, and different. So I think this is a real step forward, not just for the MCU, but superhero movies. Like th- th- this this was the, the leap of faith, as it were. Yeah. And it was, I mean, a, a very, very well-received phase. Yeah. But,
1: interesting, I don't know whether or not I should conclude with this, but nah, I'll just say it up front. I think, even though there are a few movies in Phase 2 that I would count towards the top of my favourite MCU movies, as a phase, I think it's my least favourite
0: one. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I know the I know the couple that you're thinking of, but let, let, let's let just, let's get into them. Cause, and, and what's our ranking structure this time? Is it the same as last time, which I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I think we're just um, gold, silver, and bronze. Them. Gold, silver, yeah.
0: bronze. And that's for the complete package. We'll, we'll, we'll,
1: thumb up, we'll, we'll thumb up and thumb down them as we go along.
0: And Even then we'll give
1: Ant-Man a thumb up. I'm going to give Ant-Man a thumb up, yeah. Excellent.
0: I believe it's to me, then, to start. It is, indeed. With uh Iron Man 3. I'm sorry, Iron, Iron Man or Iron Man? Iron Man, sorry. The 2013's Iron Man 3 by Shane Black. So this was the passing of the mantle from John Favreau, who did the first two Ironmans, and handed it over to Shane Black. Yeah. So as a movie, we discussed this one uh, just before calling. Now, this was a very, very popular movie. I think this is one of the highest grossing individual non-team-up MCU movies out there. I think it's the highest, actually. And
1: yeah. And...
0: It was done because the marketing was sublime. I mean, the, the marketing for this, if yeah. I remember correctly, it was amazing. There's only one movie, I think, within M- MCU that had a better marketing, which we'll get to. Um, yeah. but, but this was an incredible achievement by MCU and a real step forward. Uh, we had Brian T- uh, Tyler, Brian Tyler uh, who is the uh, composer. Am I getting that right? Brian, Taylor, Brian Tyler, who also yeah. did the, the, the score for Ultron, which you're going to talk about a little bit later. And uh, yeah. wrote quite a lot of the music, um, and was credited for the writer for a lot of the music in Ragnarok. So he's uh, intertwined through a lot of these movies. And yeah, as a and soundtrack, uh, Thor- sorry, what you say, mate? Well, and Thor two as well. Oh, is it Thor two as well? Oh, I didn't have that one. Yeah. About. Okay, cool, fantastic. As a score and as a soundtrack, I think it's really good. I think it. I think it takes a lot of the work that was done previously and adds to it. But this, as a whole package, I think is a real underdog, and I think it gets a bad rep, this movie. So before we talk I mean, into the I mean, score...
1: I've been, I've been guilty of this, actually, because I remember going to see it in the cinema. and it, You know, it's, it's the first movie after The Avengers came out in, 20, in 2012, right? So, you know, the world was given the big team-up movie that they were, that they were expecting. And so to come out after this, they really needed to do something special, and they did something very, very different. And a lot of it was quite risky because I remember it being criticised quite heavily for what they did with the Mandarin. In that they just didn't do the Mandarin in a traditional way at all. They just had a hilarious role from Ben Kingsley, who actually was Sir Ben Kingsley, (laughs) and. uh, who was fantastic? I loved the payoff when he was just this, you know, druggy Brixton. It act. is
0: quite funny. It then is quite funny. Yeah,
1: it is hilarious. And watching and watching Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark like act off that in that scene where that they're together was really, really funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Aldridge Killian, being the main villain, who is in the uh, in the sort of comic books, was was very much a sort of a smaller role. Um, and yeah. this, Shane Black decided to use him more as the main villain, as opposed to the Mandarin, which is the the bait and switch. I yeah. think there's there's a couple of elements to this movie that there's three things in this movie that do that does really that sort of does it does really differently. You've got the overall plot, which is a really different superhero plot. It's kind of uh, not your typical Iron Man plot. It's it's very much him on the run, and he's kind of back to his back to his basics. You've got the second pillar of this, which is you see a lot more. It's kind of like, I remember the uh, Spider-Man three got the same. Uh, it was a similar sort of thing that happened in that movie where it was, it was more of a Peter Parker movie than a Spider-Man movie. And yeah. this is a more of an Iron Man. Uh, sorry. This is more of a Tony Stark movie than an Iron Man movie. We see yeah, Tony def- Stark back to his roots, which I think works def- fantastically. I really enjoy it. Well, him. I think, I think that
1: aspect of it works fantastically, and that's like the first two thirds of the movie. Mm. The last, the last third is basically a hundred Iron Man suits flying
0: around, blowing, blowing shit up. Mm. I quite like goes, that end sequence it, in the shipping containers.
1: It, I think that's why it, I left, I left it the first time with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because it just very much felt like, oh, just bigger bigger faster more explosions please and yeah. it didn't it, it didn't come across as any more thoughtful than that i mean when you see it a couple more times and you get some of the themes that go in especially like the relationship with pepper mm. and you know what the suits mean the suits mean to tony and why he needs them so much mm. which is you know it's very obviously signposted in the movie but the first time i watched it i didn't really care about it as much but you know, this time watching it, going through it at uh, this time of my life, I really, really appreciated that subtlety a lot more. Whereas I think when I went to see it the first time, I wanted to see more, more of the action, fun Avengers. Yeah. So when and, that stuff happened at the end, it just looked like oh, bigger, better, more explosions, which just felt lazy to me.
0: Mm. But but I think the context of what's what we've seen in the, in the latter Avengers movies in Phase Three has helped give it a little bit more context so on second watching it it means more and anyway the third the third pillar yeah. i was going to say my three pillars was the whole mandarin bait and switch story which i i still am not a huge fan of i think it's funny i think it's great i would have just preferred a, a classic mandarin story however i i i think it's actually i think it's not that bad i think it's not that bad yeah
1: although so, i believe they're go- i believe they're gonna try and on it for phase four
0: yes they and will
1: And put a real Mandarin in for
0: Shang-Chi.
1: Yeah, Shang-Chi.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shang-Chi. So so there's, I was, I can talk a little bit about that later, but I mean, it's not really that relevant to this. Uh, The first inclusion for our music is a fun little song that gets played at the start. Can you tell me what song this uh, starts, this movie? (sighs)
1: I'll
0: give you a clue: it's a colour. This this person's singing about how they are now a colour. 90s band, Eiffel 65, singing Dabba Dee Dabba Die. <laughs> I
1: can't remember the name of the song, but <laughs> then
0: she just said, Double D Double Die, oh it's, my god. I'm Blue, Eiffel 65s, and it's that classic 90s hit. You know the one I'm talking about, where it kind of shows yeah. the party, uh, the party at the start in Switzerland, which I think was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I got a spoiler for the movie that that song was in it because i saw a facebook post from a friend when this movie came out and they said uh, the 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 music or the the rights for i'm blue is going to go through the roof after iron man iron man 3 so great great little inclusion there and yeah. then you 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 have this, the start which there was a there was a fantastic little inclusion there so the uh, in, in the one minute film it, it has the flashback at switzerland so tony briefly meets uh, ho yinsen who in iron man 1 uh, it was sort of is Yinsen's the man who helped Tony in the caves and he mentioned having yeah. met him before in his referencing to his brief meeting uh, in Bern which I thought was a really fun callback so you saw him in it's that movie exclu- again. it's a nice inclusion and it re- and
1: it's one of the many examples in this franchise which raised the question how much did they plan in advance and how much did they just conveniently make a slot together
0: afterwards i think conveniently make and and the, the fact that they're such big movies those convenient openings are there more and more i think spider-man far from home and some of the connections of some of the villains in that i, I can't imagine they planned a lot of those it was just convenience it was could we get these guys back and could, yeah, could we
1: there's a lot of these conveniences throughout this mm. the old movies that just make mm. it so much richer i love it
0: um but in terms of actual songs there's not really many others that, that I, I want to go into uh, this is the only iron man movie that does not feature any songs by acdc in it so, yeah, I think it,
1: probably another I didn't like
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so basically, released obviously I said in 2013. This movie marks the, the 50th anniversary of the character of Iron Man. So I think that's quite quite a fun little little inclusion there. And and we've got the Iron Man main theme in this. So it's played at two different tempos. The first tempo on the song Iron Man Three, which is the, obviously the titch of the song. And and then you have the second tempo, but it's the same melody, the same music, and not sort of usually the same instruments that are played throughout on the the track called Stark. So basically, it's it's many elements of the Iron Man theme. You know, you've got the horns playing. Fantastic sort of main uh, pulsing piece of music that's playing the section. You've got the fading in of the electric guitar that moves in throughout there. And then at the rests of this piece of music. You have the familiar hammer on steel that can be heard in the background that's used in nice. so So, so uh, Brian Tyler has has used a lot of the inspiration from the previous movie and And I think it's a more mature soundtrack than the other two. Um, yeah. What, something that I didn't like about this soundtrack and something that I didn't, and I think this is more because I didn't like the whole bait and switch of the Mandarin, is the Mandarin's theme, or the, this kind of spooky theme that's underplaying for the Mandarin, I don't think it's that good. And I think it could have been better. I think it's nowhere near as bold. It's nowhere near mysterious. And it doesn't really help build tension. So, I, And I only know this by comparison to The Winter Soldier because the track The Winter Soldier that's played for the villain, The Winter Soldier, is yeah. far superior than the track The Mandarin for this. Yeah. One of them's a great example of how you can make a really ominous, evil-sounding theme. And the other is a little bit lacklustre. Yeah. The only final inclusion on the soundtrack that I want to talk about, because I appreciate we've got quite a lot to go through, and I'll be honest, I think this is quite a generic soundtrack, if I'm honest, is yeah. you've got Can You Dig It, which is probably one of the best outros for an MCU movie. So if you can remember the outro for this movie, remember it. it is fantastic. That, that piece of music, you've got this explosion, like a 90s spy cartoon theme, and it's, and it's suave, and it's fun, and it has this great credit sequence on the background. It's the kind of did do i love it i think it 's really really great um, so as a soundtrack i don 't think I, I think it it hits a lot of the points home it 's very mature it picks up on a lot of previous, previous uh, pieces from other, uh, other soundtracks. But I think it missed an opportunity really to be bold and, and, and rely on the kind of vulnerabilities of Iron Man and rely on the, mis- the mystery behind the Mandarin. But that's really it. That's as far as I've got. I appreciate we've got a lot of movies to talk through and I've got a really big report coming up. But I just wanted to throw it over to you if you've got any further observations before we move on.
1: Well, not really. Other than like, you know, my dismay and heartbreak at the lack of ACDC it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just criminal, and it's lost, it's lost half a thumb from me, I think, because of it. <laughs>
0: God, in some sort of mafia duel, they've cut half your thumb off for this. The Absolutely.
1: Come at or it's not that the thumb is gone; it's just it's rotated ninety degrees to no. kind of like a middle, a middle thumb, as opposed to a upward thumb. <laughs>
0: I'm going to give this one a thumb up. I think, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a good... I think it gets one thumb up from me because I think what they use for Tony Stark and his vulnerable scenes and, and the scenes that, you know, where he's, he is kind of suffering from the PTSD, I think are really quite charming. I, I like the end credit scene. I think it's brilliant, but I think it's not as bold. And I also like the inclusion of Eiffel 65. So this is definitely a one-thumb-up soundtrack for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, a one and a nothing or a one and a down?
0: No, one. I'm gonna give this a one. One for Yeah, one. Yeah, I'll give it i I'll,
1: I'll give, it, I'll give it a I'll give it a one as well.
0: Cool, you're over to you, mate. Where do we go Absolutely. to next? Um we come to what I
1: genuinely think is the stinker of the of the MCU.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's uh Thor, the Dark World.
0: I've only seen this movie twice.
1: Yeah. I, I think
0: I think I've only seen it
1: twice as well and I've never had any real desire, real strong desire to watch it again mm. which is interesting because at at our current stage in the MCU you know post end game going into phase 4 you would have thought that we'd be much more interested going back and seeing all the important infinity moments and actually in in the context of the whole franchise, Thor: The yes. Dark World, is very important,
0: very important, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. I completely
1: agree. Excessive use of one
0: of the Infinity Stones. Yes, 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 yeah. You know that's a great point, and and I think that they 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 deal they dealt with that very well in Endgame and Infinity War, where you kind of had the the inclusion of a lot of scenes from Thor: The Dark World. It's kind of it it, it got the kind of pat on the back it deserved uh, last year when we had Endgame that came out, and it, yeah. But it's not a great movie.
1: Oh, it's just not. And it's got some it's got some charming, funny moments, like when Loki shapeshifts into like Steve Rogers.
0: Yeah. that's good.
1: when they when they walk and they have a bit of banter doing that. And again, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I,
0: I, I think take he's him or Leave seriously yeah i'd take him relieve. i've never been i was never a huge i was never i think it was because i was never a huge fan of the first two thor movies so i kind of missed the boat on that whole that whole tom hiddleston piece i appreciate why he's great i think he's good in avengers yeah
1: but then if he's good in a, if, if you think he's good in avengers and he's you know pretty much the same here like
0: yeah, he he is pretty good in that. He was he was very good in this one actually. He 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 yeah. was one of the saviors of this one. I also like this movie because of some of the filming locations. Uh, a lot of it's in London, and we have the Greenwich yeah. Maritime Museum, which which features heavily in in a lot of scenes. Absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: Uh, and also we have Christopher Eccleston. Yes, yeah, was it Christopher Eccleston? <laughs> I couldn't I
1: couldn't tell it was him. throughout. <laughs> that voice modulator and excessive latex.
0: Yeah, it could have been anyone, couldn't it?
1: It really could have been anyone, and I think it really shows how. I think Marvel learned a lesson from this movie mm. in that if your character is going to be a a monster, like a non-human monster villain, bad guy, he's got to be compelling. Yep. And I and I like to think that the failures of Malika led to the absolute. Titanic yeah triumph. Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, very good. <laughs> very good. Of uh of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Because he is such a compelling villain mm-hmm. with such a compelling mission mm. that you can that you kind of empathize with it as terrible as it is. Mm. But Malekith really didn't do that. So, you know, bad villain, don't really care about don't really care about the story. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but didn't really care about Jane either. No, no. Jane, Jane Foster, as much as I love Natalie Portman, anyone who knows me knows me will say. But mm-hmm. again, Brian Tyler composed the score. Mm. Now, it was a bit of a late addition to the production team because mm-hmm. so obviously Patrick Doyle, who I absolutely love, Scottish composer, amazing composer scored the first Thor movie and he was originally signed on to do this one now I think because Kenneth Branagh was not on board anymore and also because I think because of fan feedback Marvel maybe didn't want to go down the first Thor kind of tonal direction anymore they kind of went they went in a different direction and so they went with Brian Tyler. Through someone, someone else was hired as well, Carter Burrow as well. But Brian Tyler didn't. So, Car- so Carter
0: Burrow was. Uh, he he did um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs and a lot of the Coen Brothers soundtracks and scores. Did
1: he know? Yeah. So I, he, he's I, very famous I, I, for that. He's
0: he's very very good. I have a lot of time for yeah, Carter Burrow. But he
1: but he left for Dark World because of creative differences.
0: Oh, so that's who a knows? shame because that would. Who knows would what? Very, who knows what good. that
1: means? It might have been. Yeah, absolutely. But then, obviously. Iron Man 3 did very, very well. Brian Tyler was available. And he started working on, on the music for the film in June 2013. And the movie was released in October 2013. So Jeez, it really wow. Yeah, so it really was, it really was a quick, quick turnaround. And the style, I'm not gonna talk about any specific tracks because honest, honestly, it's really boring to listen to. I really mm. don't like it. But it was very clear that he was going for a very specific direction in that he took a lot of the ideas visually of what Thor is. So Thor is mythological.
0: Mm.
1: It's also slightly religious Mm. in that Norse Norse religion. And also it's a bit cosmic as well. Mm. And also the stylings and the combat style and stuff is almost medieval like swords and hammers and axes and things like that as well so you know Brian Tyler went on record and said that he kind of aimed to meld all of those together for a kind of Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings kind of sound but I think what really happens is you just Mm. I know it's just not pretty it's like a face only a mother could love.
0: Yeah. Really? And also, I mean, like that, that, that's setting your stall out pretty, you know, that, that's, let's just give, you know, some of the most recognizable movie soundtracks of all time. I want to, I want to do a combination of two of them, two very different styles for very different movies. And I want to combine them both because there's, that's, uh, that's a very, I don't like that.
1: Yeah. It's very different, very, very different styles. Did he actually say that? He actually said Uh, that, yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. said
0: that. It's a little bit disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Look so, at us in oh, our fucking high is judging someone else. This professional I <laughs> musician. Yeah, he doesn't know where we are. Who do we, we think live, we are?
1: I, I don't care. I'll say what yeah, I, exactly. I want. Yeah, so, exactly. But what comes across in the majority of movies is just this really grotty distortion.
0: Yes, of, yes. Of a sound. My thoughts of I, that, yeah.
1: I think distortion is the is what describes it best no real harmony no real heroism just down in the dirt yeah nonsense and just bring us back to the silliness I will I will take I mean I already love the first thought like I'm a fan of the first thought but I think for most people Take take us back to the silliness over over this muck, because it yeah. really just feels like grime. Yeah. That, I mean, and that's that, that's really all I, all I have to say about it. Really, it's it's just it's just a bit of a stinker.
0: <laughs> I give this no thumbs, or is it thumbs down? Yeah. I don't know What it is? Are we doing uh, thumbs no, down. No. I mean, it's I don't I don't know. I've, I've I've nothing like I've nothing to say to this film or this 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 yeah, no. this one. It's it's I've just kind yeah. of I think that's there. I think we leave. And I think, I think we leave it criminally.
1: there. I think okay. most criminally is that it didn't even take anything from from Thor at all. I think the main Thor theme is such a glorious theme. It's really, really great, and it's recognisable. And not a huge amount of Marvel themes are recognisable. Mm. You can't you can't hum them like right off the top of your head, but Thor is one of the ones where you can. Mm. And and okay. Patrick Doyle wasn't the composer anymore. Fine, but you've got a character and you've got continuation, and it's important for continuation in scores, like mm. it really is. That's why, like in Harry Potter, you get all these different composers and different directors lending their their style to this franchise. But you know what stays constant the whole way through is John Williams's Hedwig theme. Yes, yes, that was like In different styles, yes, but the melody is still there and that helps you care about the characters because you've got that association and there's no association with this score to Thor, which means it doesn't really feel like a Thor movie apart from the fact that he's just there on screen. In
0: 2014, we had... Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Now, this is an interesting movie because this one's really, really good. A difficult it's- second movie. A diffi- It's always difficult to do the second movie, the sequel. And for, I guess, a very vanilla-esque character, there's not a huge amount of uniqueness to him. And, you know, Iron Man has a very unique things around him and his character. And Thor, obviously, as we said, is a very unique character. But Captain America is quite... I guess he's he's just quite his super his superpowers are he's just a bit you know super strong super fast super he's kind of just like a watered down Superman for the MCU and kind of
1: as he is he has a bit of a Boy Scout as well he's super good
0: yeah like, I do like that oh, I do and we obviously talked about that last time but this movie was fantastic yeah
1: really really compelling and I think um, just to expand on what you were saying about captain america as a character it really gave captain america his cool moments in this movie yeah like you you really engage with him as a superhero and as like an action star in this this movie like you know when in that you know the elevator scene
0: elevator like, scene is fantastic it's yeah, so ele- good
1: ele- before we
0: before we get started does anyone want to get out? I love that. <laughs> it's a really yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Yeah. And obviously it's the Russo brothers that did this and then went on to do Endgame as well. And they, they gave that, that amazing callback, that Hail Hydra callback with Agent yeah. Sewell. So I just, it was it is brilliant. It's so brilliant. Um, yeah, it really is. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pieces in the music that I quite liked about this. The first uh, piece of music that I really liked about this one, so Henry Jackman was the composer, obviously who did Ant Man as well, Kick Ass One and Two, Jumanji, Civil War, First Class, Kingsman. So he's 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 done a lot of um, superhero or superhero type or comic book movies, and yeah. I, I, yeah so so really you're in very safe hands with with with, uh, with him. The, the first track I had that I found. Which I loved was the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian taking at Captain America's bugle horn theme and playing it as you've got you know this sort of Washington sunrise and you see Captain America running around the Smithsonian museums, which is huge. If any, if you've ever get the opportunity to go there, go. But it is. Miles. I mean, it is so like that area. Obviously, we see in a lot of films. You know, famous for you with know, the Washington and, and the and the Lincoln's monument. And you've got obviously it was in uh, uh, far uh, far from uh, not far from home. It was in Homecoming, and yeah. other films. You know, famous in Forrest Gump, for example, when he's making the speech and. It's a really, really famous, famous part of a very famous city. But that bugle horn in the background and that Captain America theme, it's really great. It gives you shivers. And this is him, you know, this is him really seeing him adapting to on his own now that he's in the present day. He's no longer in, in, the, in the past. Yeah. And I, I love his list that he makes. And again, you mentioned the, the Captain America
1: theme. Here in this movie, we have a movie that is tonally very, very different to Captain America: The First Avenger.
0: Yes, yes. Different, different writing,
1: different director, different composer. Do you know what's constant though? The effing Captain America theme, mm. and you mm. care about it. You really care about it. Even yeah, even though the composer didn't write it, it's important to keep it in, and we did that. And yes. kudos yes, for
0: yes. it. Um, some other great piece of music. There's a, there's, a, there's a piece of music the the Lemurian star during the, sort of the when you first see the helicopter carriers all together. Uh, yeah. you, you've got some really, really good music. I think the Hydra music is fantastic in this. And I love, I love, love, love the scene with Dr. Armin Zola played by the, the fantastic Toby Jones when they're in the bunker. He's great. He is he's so a, good.
1: He's a chameleon, isn't he? He can do anything.
0: But I just, I think that's a great sequence where they're underground there. And I think it just goes to show that this movie, even though it's in a totally different time frame, it still stays relevant to the first movie and continues the themes And the whole underground, the secret Hydra takeover of Shield. Because this is a spy movie. This is an espionage movie. And it's it's sleek. And it's fast paced, incredibly fast-paced. I I mean I always I, I actually think fast paced almost to a fault because we did chat a little bit about this before we we started the conversation. I think of all the movies, and as you say, you kind of you suspend your disbelief when a lot of the kind of the, 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 the conveniences of the plot to, to keep the story moving over and sometimes I think it trips over itself and sometimes I think that the story gets to weird bottlenecks where it gets hung up on certain situations I think a lot of the fight sequences with the winter soldier are really great
1: the choreography oh, is fantastic, fantastic. Oh, they're so fast like I love the one between him and Captain America on a highway.
0: That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, with, yeah, the, with the, and, the knife sequences. Like
1: a and the the camera is almost like one shot, like spinning spinning around them. Yeah, and yeah. it's So fast and mm. hard hitting, and so well choreographed. And the music in that moment. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no music in that bit. It's like it's been sucked out. It's like a vacuum. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: It's like a vacuum, and it and it makes your breath kind of like stop in your chest, and you and you just feels so tense watching this
0: thing
1: Mm. which you know it's great manipulation of the audience
0: right i love the winter soldier as a character i love sebastian stan as the winter soldier and i originally had no time for him i was originally not a fan and now he's one of my most favorite characters especially those scenes in infinity war you know where he's on the battlefield with rocket raccoon and it's it's where you see him there. You're like, this guy's come so far. You know, if you think yeah, of him in yeah. this, and you think of him in Civil War, and how he's the kind of, well, I guess, one of the Civil War.
1: Now. Civil Civil War was actually the most recent movie that I watched. Actually, I actually watched it yesterday. I watched Civil War. Fantastic.
0: So good. It's such a good movie. It's definitely, I would say, my top three. Yeah. But no, I,
1: well. but,
0: but onto the Winter Soldier, you have. What is can only be described as probably the best villain music in the whole MCU that comes from him. I think even better in some cases than Thanos' theme. I yeah. think the Winter Soldier, it, it's the screeching sound that plays when you see him. And you'll know when you hear it, it's a real screech almost. Like it genuinely is a screech that plays anytime he's there to gonna kind of give that Soviet mystery to him and that kind yeah. of underlying themes.
1: And it, it really... It really sells the fear of the character because you don't hear the character speak, you don't even see his face for like the first half of the movie, mm. and so he's presented as this unstoppable force of nature
0: yes yes
1: that, that is absolutely ruthless
0: mm.
1: oh he and, is, and nothing stopping him because the first person he comes up against is an escaping Nick Fury. Samuel L. Jackson who is kicking ass wounded like he is a survivor, Samuel yes. L. Jackson. Yeah, I like that but sequence. And oh, it's a brilliant sequence. And and then he just turns up in the middle of the street and he's just standing there and he does nothing apart yeah. from he makes he just does one move and he just gets Samuel L. Jackson, supposedly.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And with very little effort. And I think when something is that fluid and clean and it's a villain that's doing it. You're like, oh, mother, don't mess with this guy.
0: Yeah. So so the, the score, as I say, I think the score is really, really great. It's a really epic score. You've got some really slow, epic pieces like Time to Suit Up and then some fast, high-paced, pulsing pieces of music like taking Taking a Stand. I think, it's a re- I think it's really great. It's fairly generic, I won't lie, but it's very recognizable. I think the pieces of music, as I said, The Winter Soldier and The Smithsonian give this the real recognizable stamp of approval. Um, this is also the second time where Henry Jackson actually replaces Alan Silvestri. So Alan Silvestri was supposed to be the composer for this. The other time right. was uh, the first G.I. Joe movie where, where uh, he, he basically stepped in and replaced him. Some other non-music pieces. I think Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson are great together. They're really, really good. The chemistry between them is great. That, the, the, the trust that they build throughout this movie is fantastic. And they actually, yeah. they wrote a lot of their dialogue together. And it's a really good example where the, you've got the, the, the actors who really know their characters and are, are, and are helping mature these parts. And I think that's another reason why the characters are, have, have such charisma on screen is because the actors behind them really care. You know, again, like Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr., he, he that he owes everything to Tony Stark and Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah.
1: Do you know? He, he no, was, but he, he he's talked he's talked so many times about how important Tony Stark as a role was to his life. Like mm. it kind of saved him.
0: Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, prison from drug abuse and like he didn't. I, I've seen lots of things while he was filming the first Iron Man. He didn't really have a penny to his name. He was like mm. living living in the back of his car or something like that. It was mm. crazy. Like look look at him now. It's amazing.
0: Some other fun little facts for you. Hawkeye was originally going to appear in several scenes, including a fight sequence where he would have battled Captain America after a prolonged chase through the city. Scheduling issues with Jeremy Renner prevented this. Originally, Hawkeye was uh, sent to hunt down Steve Rogers, catching up to him, and the two of them are supposed to have a fight. Steve would win, but finds Hawkeye whispering to him to make his defeat look real, revealing Hawkeye's deliberately lost because a Quinjet is recording the whole thing overhead. He also would have been the one to alert Steve about the tracking device in his suit. So there's another inclusion of what could have been. And I think that that's probably one of the other major, I guess, downsides to a lot of the phase two movies is that you had this one amazing movie where all the characters were together, and then they all just dispersed and went to their own movie. And there wasn't a huge amount of real concrete reasons why. Apparently, that the reason, for, according to the Ruzos, why... Uh, a lot of the Avengers aren't in this one is because it happens over about three days. The plot of this movie, and that you didn't have time to contact them, which I just think is not a great excuse. I just, I just think don't talk about it at all.
1: Yeah. Just leave. Yeah. It. No, absolutely. Because you know how how quick could he have gone on the phone to Tony Stark? Ex- exactly. Hop in an Iron Man suit so and get over. Guaranteed, exactly. it takes less than three days mm-hmm. to fly from New York to Washington
0: final little piece for this movie before i give it my thumb uh fun uh, i've got a quiz question for you what is what are you laughing at you're gonna give it your thumb gonna give it a thumb. final uh final little bit of uh trivia quiz question for you can you tell me what is on nick fury's grave
1: i can tell you what's on nick fury's grave <laughs> it's the path of the righteous man
0: that is it yeah the very same Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen. obviously yeah. a, a fantastic nod to Pulp Fiction and Jules Winifred's wonderful dialogue in that 1994 classic
1: yeah I absolutely I was grinning ear to ear when we I saw that we watched this
0: in the cinema I think together
1: um I'm I, not sure that was you I can't remember
0: okay I'm sure I did. I'm sure, I'm sure I made a point of it. And you, Yeah, because I'm sure I whispered it in you and you were like, obviously I know. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, I see, to be fair, you have a horrible habit of doing that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you movie tri- tri- trivia fact as no, I'm watching a movie. No,
1: literally literally sitting, sitting in a cinema, first time seeing it, spotting something that obviously I've seen and lean over and go, oh, did you see that? And then I'm like, of course I did see it. And you're like, no, you didn't. You wouldn't
0: have seen it unless I told you. Cause a- <laughs> I know, but, you- <laughs> but it's true. You wouldn't have. Thank God I was there. <laughs> clearly.
1: Clearly. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think this actually, Oh, I think it's still, oh, this is a it gets a one thumb up for me. One? It gets a one because I need to be harsh on this. And by comparison to a lot of other of the soundtracks in this, actually, I don't know. It, this is a tough, this is a tough one. No, maybe two. No, uh, mm, oh God, no. I think maybe two because of the, as an entire package, it's great. What about you? Yeah.
1: I want, I want to give it two, but actually, what, just while you were vocalizing your thought process there, I was actually just thinking back on the score and going, you know, we're we're a music and movie podcast. Got to got to critique the music as well. And it is, I think it is more generic than not. Yes. So can I give it one and a half?
0: No, we either give it one or two. Two then. Two, I'm going to give it one, and that's the one and a half there, (laughs) by average. it's still me isn't it for the next one yes, okay this might be the longest one we have so bear with us but in 2014 something changed the game for the mcu and that was the inclusion of the rolling stones to the avengers Beatles, as james gunn describes the guardians of the galaxy which i think is a very very apt description did he actually say that? Yeah, so he said that the, 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 the Guardians are the Rolling Stones and the Avengers are the Beatles, which I think is a really, it's a really great way of talking about that. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's apt. So very quickly, I'm going to talk through the score and then we're going to talk through the soundtrack and the playlist of that. Is that fair? Yeah. So we had Tyler Bates, once again, who, who, who came for this. Now, we, he did Volume 1 and Volume 2. He did Deadpool 2. He did the movie 300. He did John Wick. There's some really great themes. I think the Avengers, uh, sorry, the the Guardians' main theme that you can hear in Black Tears, which is I think one of the best tracks on this, is that it's the main Guardians' theme. It's got a choir. It's epic. And then you also have a really a, other beautiful, majestic piece of music uh from a piece of music called Groot, Groot Cocoon, which is the kind of the cocoon that puts around him near the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. There,
0: there's there's some really nice pieces, but overall, overall it's very very just background scoring, background scoring. And unfortunately, it is dwarfed by the playlist because something incredible happened in this movie. And that was they took a typical uh, Origins movie and they put a 70s and 80s soundtrack to this. So the reason that this was done was to really ground the fact that Star-Lord is from Earth. You know he's Missouri. from Missouri. He's from Missouri. You're right, but Peter Quill is a fantastic character and has had a really great development through the movies. He's matured quite a lot. I think the maturing between one and two is great, and he kind of backtracks a little bit for the kind of final Avengers movies. Obviously, there's a really yeah, big He backtracks confusion. a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. But yeah, I I, I think if, you, if 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 you want, we 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 just get into this. Yeah. So we start with that fantastic Redbone track, Come and Get Your Love, with that sequence where he is dancing through those caves. Now,
1: that... It's iconic. It is iconic at this point, isn't
0: it? It is absolutely iconic. Like, that will be remembered forever. And so much so that when they do the whole time heist, they come back to that sequence and they play Come and Get Your Love Again. It, it's so great. I just, I, I loved it when he's singing with the sort of rat...
1: Oh, so funny. And I absolutely love it when they get back to it in Endgame, and Roddy just goes, "Okay, he's an idiot."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. say <same laughs> what we're all thinking, exactly. It's because so it's funny. only him that thinks he's brilliant and he's cool and he's and he's you know he's sorry, but he's he's just not. Yeah. So the soundtrack of this own album is Awesome Mix Volume 1, who he he got from his mum who handed it to him. Um, Now, there is the flashback, and I don't know if – I'm trying to think in the order of the movie because I didn't – I wasn't able to rewatch it in its entirety of the way through. But you also have uh, 10cc I'm Not In Love, which is – I think that is the first song that you hear at the start, I believe, before Come and Get Your Love. So I I think I mixed those two up there. But that's – it's a really uh it's 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 a really kind of oh it's it, it's a tough song to start with and that really tough scene where his mum is you know dying of cancer and in, in in bed yeah. and he, and he kind of goes outside and and it's it, it's the way it fades into the background and it's it's depressing because it's a depressing song you know it's a heartbreak it song not... yeah. and and it's it's tough and it's sad and then he goes outside and the light in the sky off obviously from yondu's ship it's 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 peculiar but yeah. that awesome mix volume one believe it or not back on our earth uh reached number one in the u.s billboards uh 200 charts for the and it's the first film soundtrack ever to do so without any original music it was also nominated for the 2015 grammy award for best soundtrack so Amazing. you just you know so james gunn just 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 did this incredible job by just bringing all these songs together um But basically, yeah, and the film generated renewed interest in demand for personal cassette players, especially classic Walkmans like Peter Quill's. Yeah. So another song. I'm a bit of a bugbear. Okay, go for me.
1: About the Awesome Mix Volume One, though. Yeah. Because one thing that I loved was that it was marketed as as a release, like the CD was. The CD cover was the cassette tape, right? Yes. So it was like owning Peter Quill's cassette tape, right? Yes. Except the last two songs in the movie. Yeah. Are "Ain't No Mountain High." Yeah. And I and want you back. I want you back. back yeah. That's They're not on Awesome Mix Volume One. They're on Awesome Mix Volume Two. I think they are. I've I've
0: had versions of it where they are. They're, well, they're on. They're on awesome the deluxe. Are they not?
1: Well yeah, but the deluxe only came out once Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two came out and they kind of meshed them together. Oh, but those really? two songs those two songs were included on the Awesome Mix Volume One original original release.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. And
1: obviously obviously they were always going to be. Yes. Because, you know, it's all the songs from the movie. So of course those songs were gonna be there because they were in the movie. Yeah. But sort of spoiled that Peter Quill's cassette. Type thing because initially, when I when I downloaded it, I kind of wanted them not to be there, so I'd have to wait and hear those songs on the volume two one just for that. It, it's a little bit OCD
0: of me. Sure, sure, yeah.
1: In <laughs> fact, more than a little bit OCD of me. It's very OCD. OCD <laughs> but Because of course, you, you can't expect them to just be like, "Oh, we're gonna leave out two of the most bangery songs from yeah. the soundtrack." just because it's on a different cassette tape.
0: Yeah, the, exactly.
1: Sorry, It's stupid, but it's just one of these random things that I think about.
0: But James Gunn's favourite song is uh, Jackson 5's I Want You Back. So he was delighted to get a chance to feature it in the movie with that end dancing sequence of the baby baby group.
1: Yeah.
0: Which was is, which is really fun. Wait, so that this, was him? Sorry? That was him? That was who? What, the dancing group? Yeah, what about it?
1: Did you say that was James
0: Gunn? No, 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 no. I said Jackson Fives. I want you back's his favourite song. Yeah. And he was delighted to get to use the song. All
1: oh, right. I thought you were. I thought you said he was delighted to be in it. I thought. No, maybe no, he, no, 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 no. Maybe he'd done the motion capture for Baby Groot. Or no,
0: something no, like. no. Well, it was it was his brother who was the motion capture for a lot of the scenes with uh, Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. To to help, but uh, but no, and or obviously Oriole. The, the famous raccoon who died a f- about a year or so ago, I think, in the UK, oh, who, was the, who was the actual inspiration, who was the face uh, inspiration for, the, or, for Rocket Raccoon. In fact, here's a fun little, here's a fun little uh, trivia quiz, um, or, or it's not a quiz, I can, but missed opportunities galore. You had Adam, Sa- uh, Adam Sandler, David Tennant, Sharto Copley, Jim Carrey were all considered to voice Rocket Raccoon.
1: Now, really?
0: What amazing range of, of rocket raccoons you would have had for all of those? That's Obviously,
1: I do love the one that we
0: have. I, I do. I think Bradley Cooper is really great. He, he takes a lot of inspiration from Joe Pesci's character from The Goodfellas to, to, to use for the, their voice for that. But I think you've got Absolutely. some great. I mean, I wouldn't have been overly a huge fan of Jim Carrey. Adam Sandler, I've got a really, really Adam Sandler... Uh, Nearly casting was was uh, for you. Actually, I'll tell you, it's non-related to the MCU. Right. Okay. uh, Which I'll say just after this. But I think David Tennant and Sharto Coplay could have done some really great spins on that. I think Sharto Coplay particularly would have been really great. You know that South African twang that he brought to uh, District Nine. Yeah. uh, Actually. Yeah. That would have been really cool. That would have been. But But just like I think the one irreplaceable piece of voice
1: casting that definitely could not have been anyone else. Was Vin Diesel? Yeah. Like, if you try and get anyone else to play that role, they'd fall flat on their face.
0: Yeah, but he only says what four words. Vin Vin
1: Diesel, if you're listening, I'm sorry to be taking the piss out of you, but honestly, I saw I, I saw a featurette of him because there's featurettes on Disney Plus, like the special features on all of the true, on all true. the movies. I was I was watching one of them. And he was sitting there talking about, you know, playing Groot and the emotional impact of playing Groot and what he was bringing to the character. And I was like, what? (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, mate, but unless I'm missing something, you said, I am Groot 50 times and we are Groot once.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. So just, just to, as my fun little fact there, uh, Adams, uh, Adam Sandler was originally supposed to play the Bear Jew in *Inglorious Bastards, you know, um, Eli Roth's character. Now, yeah. after watching Uncut Gems, I can't stop thinking about that, what we could have had, a really raw Adam Sandler interpretation with a baseball bat across the head. That would have been so good.
1: Makes me wonder if he might appear in a future Tarantino movie. Not that there's that many
0: left. No, I (laughs) I know. Yeah, you're not wrong, actually. So back to the songs in the playlist. We have other ones. We have the Pina Colada escape song. We have Spirit in the Sky. Obviously being used as little change scenes between the, uh, I guess just kind of showing the change from this sequence to this sequence. But just giving you a background of, they're just great songs to play as the kind of, background piece and and james gunn went on record obviously elo didn't feature in this one they featured in the second one but he he he's always said that elo should be the kind of the resident band but it's because that they have they capture that 70s kind of glam sort of you know very glam, yeah it's just fantastic but then you you've got obviously the very famous hooked on a feeling blue suede which i mean the trailer alone for this movie just was outstanding. It just it it, was, it, it it? got you to your seat and it had that ooh, chaka, ooh. it was just so, so good. In it fact, was, the, I remember it well. The opening cave scene was originally written around blue suede hooked on a feeling that James Gunn felt that Red Bones, Come and Get Your Love, worked far better so i can always only imagine what that i can and then you would have had guardians of the galaxy up on the screen hooked on a feeling and i think that would have been also very 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 fun as oh well. yeah there's no doubt
1: it would have worked it would have worked uh, just as well because i imagine how it would have worked is exactly the same he would have put his headphones in and then you know press play in silence and then just Ooh, gotcha, got, ooh, got, exactly, ooh, exactly, exactly,
0: yeah. exactly. <laughs> yes. So there's a song in this that you don't like in this playlist because I remember talking about it and I really like this song and that is Cherry Bomb. Ah, oh, Cherry Bomb. Oh. You don't like Cherry Bomb, do you? Oh, it's just annoying. Don't ask me why. G- let, let, me, let me give you the facts on it. So Cherry Bomb was actually played on set. As the characters made their epic entrance before the final battle to help them get into character, Tyler Bates composed the original score before the filming process began so it could be played uh, on set to help the actors perform in certain scenes. Cherry Bomb is also the name of the band from Howard, A New Breed of Hero, uh, 1986. So, Howard appears at the end of end credits and was the first movie based off of a Marvel comic. So, obviously, Howard the Duck. So cherry bomb is, uh, I quite like it, but you don't like this song because it's Oh, it's annoying. It's kind of like it, I don't know. I, f- I forget the name of the, the artists who sing it actually, but I, I'm always reminded of like I think they could have, I think they could have used like heart. I think heart are, if they want to use it's the Runaways, but I think heart are a better kind of female led vocal band from that era you know you you, you yep. could you could have had like crazy over you or something like that i think would have been a better inclusion um in, in, instead of this or barracuda or something like that would have been oh, a better barracuda. song instead of cherry bomb because it would have had that same female-led rock vibe I, I i agree that there is maybe a kind of a repetitive nature to this song that is a little bit irritating yeah um I think I'm coming to the end of of, of kind of what I have here. I mean, amazing, amazing film, amazing use of the 80s, 90s songs. So they are part of Quill's Memories of Earth. The music is one of those touchstones to remind us that Quill is a real person from our planet. And it's that thing that brings to this, that relatability to Quill through these music. You know, everyone's heard these songs. Everyone knows Spirit in the Sky. Everyone knows the Pina Colada song. You yeah. Know, and it's just like, oh, you know, I love it. The, the the final one I just want to touch on, I have no notes on this, is the El, uh, Fooled Around and Fell in Love by uh, Elton Bishop, which is a lovely, just romantic sway song between the Mora nice, yeah. and on the balcony scene. And I think it's great. And you almost almost get that kiss. First Marvel movie that doesn't have a kiss in it. Um, just just for a fun fact for you but it's, Seriously? it's yeah yeah first one but it, it's just it's just an amazing sequence where it's so close and then it doesn't happen and it's it must have been through about and it's just brilliant I just it's it's lovely it's lovely uh but yeah that that's it the only other thing I wanted to say about this movie is this movie has a really special place in my heart I, I am <laughs> especially with that this is the, the summer that I met Maddie my girlfriend uh listening to this this movie so we were working at a summer camp together and we were looking after the sort of the the older kids the 18 19 year olds who were sort of counselors in training and we were only a few years older than these kids and it was probably i would say there was out of the, the sort of 30 40 kids that we were looking after i say kids late teens that we were looking after i would say about 10 of them were boys and the rest were girls and so when we did their uh, the, the sort of the day trips away from the camp so they could go to the mall and they could go to the beach and do what they wanted the boys were seriously outweighed in the Vokes. The girls always wanted to go and do the mall and they wanted to go to the beach. Whereas the, the guys, I, l- I love these guys to be, and I still miss, they're such such lovely kids. um, But they they were all, they loved their nerdy, you know, they loved the, the Marvel movies and they loved all this sort of stuff. And I really related to them on that level. And one day on their day off, it was raining. And so the only thing we could do was go to the cinema. And in the cinema, there was two films. There was Lucy and there was Guardians of the Galaxy. All the girls went to see Lucy, and all the boys went to see Guardians of the Galaxy. One of those cinema trips won. The other one lost. Oh, that's all I'll say. Because the whole time yeah. afterwards, me, me and these kids, we kept saying to each other, we are Groot. And it was such a fun bonding experience. And I'll always remember it, because as I said, of course it's it just just getting to know Maddie. And uh, so I, lo- I love this movie so much. It's, it's up there with my favourite MCU. Anyway, that's it. I'm I'm done. I'm going to talk no more. We've talked a lot about that one.
1: We have. We have indeed. And so
0: we come on to wait. Thumbs the up. up. Oh yeah. Sorry. This this Ooh. this gives me two th- two thumbs up. Uh, any day of the week. This is without yeah. doubt one will go down in history as one of the best movie music combinations ever. I mean and, and it really will it, it it is in the top 10 of our generation music m- movie music combinations ever for for the for the game changing ability of it
1: yeah definitely 100 percent. it's really really up there I, I love it it's because of that it's better the better than volume two i think but we'll get I, we'll I, go
0: volume two, i think volume two is just as good as anyway yeah we'll get to it yeah well that, that's the next episode
1: Avengers, Age of Ultron.
0: Right. Bullet point thoughts? Movie? I, I really like this one, but I know that it's not that great. Uh, by comparison, it's the weakest Avengers movie. There's some yeah, fantastic sequences in it. And it, that whole piece where they're all picking up the ha- Thor's hammer, right. The, the, right. The, 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 the camaraderie between them. Uh, you've got the, inclu- the, the introduction of um, Andy Serkis as yeah. Ulysses Klaue, who is a great character in the MCU, Amazing. obviously they pick yeah. him up in in Black Panther. I think uh, Dave uh, J- James Spader is a really really good Ultron. I, th- I think he's a great great uh, voice actor in this. He does a great yeah. job.
1: I love I love him as Ultron, and he actually has quite a few comedic moments. Like there's a great there's a great moment where he's lost his battle and he's trying to escape and in the Quinjet, and the Hulk comes in and grabs him, but you don't see it, it's off camera, and you just hear him say, oh, for the love of God.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's
1: off camera. And I mean, from for- a
0: movie perspective, I loved the trailers for this I remember the, the, the trailers got me really pumped for this movie, and I liked the inclusion of I Got No Strings from Pinocchio. Yeah. Which they reuse yeah. as, as a musical point. But anyway, that, yeah. that's my bullet point. I really like
1: it as well. It's a bit on the nose Disney, not gonna lie, yeah. but it does work i i understand i understand the you know the similarities there so i mean i liked it more this time watching it than i did the first time because again i had a very similar criticism of it as i did with iron man 3 which was just throwing throwing shit at the screen and see what seeing what stuck for sure and i th- I kind of stand by that. It is definitely guilty of that. I think just the fact that Ultron had an an endless army of himself is a compelling idea, but it got boring quite quick.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the, the fact that it kind of came from Banner, came from Tony Stark, and that kind of he was to blame almost for this. It's... It's an odd one, but it's but again, it's creative. It, it uses these characters well. I think I think there's some really solid performances. Great writing. Yeah. We obviously have the inclusion of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. So the first appearance, Scarlet Witch, who continuously knocks out the park. Really, really yeah. solid, solid character who's come a long way since this first inclusion. Obviously, we saw her in uh, post credit sequences, but this is the first real inclusion of the twins as they're referred yeah, to
1: yeah absolutely
0: and it's the f- and it's the closest crossover to the x-men universe because obviously their dad in canon is actually magneto
1: yes obviously they've done away with that yeah and uh in the mcu as we understand it at the moment their the twins powers came from loki's staff
0: yes yes
1: uh, or in a in a more specific sense the mind stone one of the infinity stones
0: now didn't uh, Days of Future Past come out roughly the same year or a year either side of this. So you had Quicksilver Probably. and Scarlet Witch in the two movies from the two types of Marvel. Because obviously, we, had, were- we definitely
1: had two. We had definitely had two Quicksilvers. Did we have two Scarlet Witches as we well? We did.
0: She was a young girl. You saw her as a young girl in uh, that
1: sequence. It
0: was a blink and you miss it.
1: Oh, I need to watch those movies again. I need to. I need to remind myself of how bad Apocalypse is. <laughs> That's not a good film. No, not. Better than this one, anyway. I'll Say that for free. But as far as the as far as the music is concerned, of this one, again, I'm going to side on it being fairly generic. Oh, completely. It it wins a few points for me, but from the inclusion of the Avengers theme of Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme, it is there, it is present, and is a regular motif throughout the. Throughout the movie,
0: it was Brian Tyler, though wasn't
1: it? Not, not Brian Tyler plus Danny Elfman.
0: Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay,
1: who famously would join forces with Joss Whedon and go (laughs) off and ruin Justice League for the whole world?
0: (laughs) If I can't have it, no one can.
1: Literally, (laughs) literally, like, (laughs) and you know, I talk about, um, you know thematic and tonal continuity in franchises and how that's so, so important and Danny Elfman just I don't know if he was told to by producers or what, but he he fucked the Justice League (laughs) musically, musically he fucked them Nice. (laughs) and he didn't do that and he didn't and he didn't so much with the Avengers. It is still quite Danny elfman Yeah. Do you know what I mean by Danny Elfman-y?
0: Y- yeah, I know he didn't quite fuck them. He just sort of molested them with sort of some of the instruments, as opposed to outright just you know full fool- of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. No, no, serious, serious though,
1: serious though. Do you know what I mean by like Danny Elfman?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I I I know he's. Uh, yeah, he's. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked a lot about this off off, yeah. off the podcast.
1: Absolutely. I mean just to you know, if I if I name like some of the you know mo- the most famous things that have a very famous Danny Elfman style, the Simpsons theme. Yeah. For us. St- Edward, Edward Scissorhands.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Edward Scissorhands. Jake said at the same time. I, I I actually really like the Edward Scissorhands theme. No, no, no. All music.
1: great all great music. Like I, I have nothing against Danny Elfman's style. He has probably one of the most distinctive styles and it's probably much so. the- He's probably one of the one of those composers that you, you know, you would have a really tough time saying that his sound is generic because yeah. it's not. I think one of the most distinctive sty- styles in Hollywood. Mm. But unfortunately, he 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 insists on putting that where it doesn't belong.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But but I think he he has a, he has a lot of creative control when he works with Tim Burton, and I think those two working yeah. well together are very very good. <laughs>
1: You know, it's a partnership. It's like Spielberg and Williams.
0: Exactly, and I and I think Elfman and and, and Burton are actually it, they, they're very good together. They're very very yeah. good together when they've got a, a creative idea.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean,
0: very very
1: little else to say. I don't re- I don't have any favorite tracks from this thing because honestly, all of them are bland.
0: That's fine. You That's know, fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Apart from apart from all the all the little inclusions of the Avengers theme, which you know I love,
0: yeah, I I know the I know the point you're making that there's 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 just something a little bit not quite there for this one. It's it, there's just no takeaways, and I, I, I take issue with anyone who goes that the the Avengers main theme is just just insert that when you can for a cool scene or a sequence where they're all on the scene together, because as we know from Alan Silvestri's use of it in Endgame. How powerful that piece of music can actually be when you use yeah. it effectively, because portals. I, I still struggle to listen to that without having a serious emotional response.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The biggest payoff in any franchise ever. We're not there
0: and, yet. We're not there yet.
1: <laughs> ugh, and facilitated by music, but we will get
0: there. Rating thumbs. Nah. Yeah, None. Nah. None for None. me. None for me. Missed opportunities, left, right, and center. I think.
1: Yeah, M- movie, movie, and music. Frankly, yeah, I agree. So we move on to something a little bit more fun.
0: Let's, yeah, the the only real origin movie and the final of MCU Phase Two. Yeah. It's
1: an interesting formula, this. And they've kind of they've kind of doubled down on it. They've kind of adopted it in that, like, after this big team-up movie, you get, like, this palate cleanser.
0: Yes. You know yes. what I mean? And they did the same thing with Far From Home as well. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, you, you get the big
1: cataclysmic world-ending team-up movie, and then you just go back down to the little guy.
0: Quite literally. Oui. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very
1: much thank you very much uh i've been working on that transition for days uh,
0: <laughs> can we talk just a little bit about this movie because this movie has been kicking around with one director specifically for the best part of about a decade and i'm talking uh i'm talking about edgar wright so edgar wright yeah. has been writing this movie i think as early as 2002, 2003, he started the script for this movie. Wow. So, so this pre- is of, Iron- this is pre-Iron Man. So, I, so Ant-Man, and, and obviously in the comics, in the original Avengers comics, he was one of the first, Ant-Man and yeah. the Wasp. They, they've been in it from yeah. the start. And Hank Pym. He definitely, he definitely has a
1: very retro look, doesn't he? Very he does, retro.
0: yeah. And, and, and I think I will always lament at what could have been, because we obviously had Baby Driver was kind of the, the the one that came out around this, which is also a fantastic movie. But Ant Man could have been spectacular in terms of it could have been spectacular, game changing, a director taking it and shaking it in the same way that Takia Waititi did for Ragnarok.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, like you, actual, like directorial style. A
0: directorial style, because you could you imagine what style? Edgar Wright would have done to this. I, I I just think that it it's a seven out of ten movie that had the potential to be a nine out of ten if they had kept Edgar Wright in charge. And that and that's yeah. where Look, you just there's no way around it. That's just it. And again, again, lessons learned because
1: I think what we got in Iron Man and Ant Man, sorry, Ant Man is Ant Man. What we got in Ant Man was by and large, the best done generic movie. I think.
0: Yeah. Better than Dr. So Strange. Fun. Better it, than Black uh, not Black no, Panther's it's pretty good.
1: Black Panther. It's not better than Black Panther.
0: Yeah, it's But I the wish... point is it's fun. The the point is it's fun. Homecoming but is pretty good as well.
1: Homecoming is pretty good. <laughs> but I, I love the comedy in Ant-Man. I love the fun, heisty nature of it. Yep. I like the character. I like the power, the powers, and it lends a new angle to, like, action and heroism in the MCU, like, just from that different microscopic angle. Like, and just that in itself is really compelling. Is different to what we've seen before.
0: Yeah. There's something that I wanted to pick up because something that, That I think there's two characters in the MCU MCU roster are kind of game breaky in terms of the potential of what they have and that's Captain Marvel and Ant-Man because Captain Marvel and Ant-Man I think their powers don't translate as well as the other ones do and that's you know that that I know that sounds a bit odd because you've got Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Black Panther, who all have very different powers, but they kind of complement each other, and you kind of see how what the vulnerabilities of each of those characters are, and what the you know how they can perform together. But I just get the impression that Ant Man and Captain Marvel, they, obviously Captain Marvel for a different reason, but Ant Man, the full potential of what he can do and how he can contribute as a team member, because he's never really been inaugurated into the Avengers he's always just been on the sidelines he's always like a bench. he's on the bench he's like the substitute yeah and obviously only it's re- only was the end game where he really actually had a part to play but it was kind of like he was a supporting part but you forget that Ant-Man is one of the only characters who's actually had a sequel yeah and potentially a third one on the way I think for for Disney Plus I think they're, they're yeah, doing maybe.
1: a TV, I mean, a TV you know, series I'm, I'm, you know, I had thoughts about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't think it's as good as the first Ant-Man movie. But, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, the formulaic nature of the Ant-Man movie really comes into play when you look at the villain. Because, again, you've got the superhero movie origins trope of the main bad guy being an evil version of the good guy.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we saw it in Iron, Iron Man, and we'll you know we, we'll see it later on in Black Panther. I think the Yellow Jacket is a really, really good villain, but they didn't use it properly. But what was great was that in Ant-Man and the Wasp, you had the inclusion of Ghost, and that was a completely different take. So I think, personally, they should have swapped those two round. If you had started with Ghost, and then the second one had Yellow Jacket, I think that would have been a really, really better way to to frame those two movies. But obviously, like... That's just that's that's a kind of nonsense statement because they're 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 not interchangeable by any stretch of the imagination. No, they're not
1: interchangeable. But the one thing I really did like about Yellow Jacket is the comedic moments that happened in the fighting. Yes. Like the use of the Thomas
0: the tank. The engine Thomas the tank for, engine that when it fell off the track, I thought that was really yeah. really funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there and just several times in that big ending fight sequence, you got from their perspective while they're really small and they're having this really big punchy battle and then the camera will just zoom out to normal people's size and you'll just see them go
0: yeah uh, yeah it was very good
1: and it was so and it's so funny just to just to get that perspective yeah
0: Michael Douglas Reed, is really good as well. I think that's a really Michael good Douglas, casting, casting as Hank Pym. And I also love the character of Scott Lang. I think he's a really great character. Obviously, Paul, Ru- Paul Rudd, which was the kind of, I guess, a, sh- a relative shock casting, not known for this, obviously from the more frat pack style movies that we're familiar with seeing, to see him in the, yeah. you know, in the main role as, as, as Scott Lang here. But yeah, actually but it worked really well. A big
1: Paul Rudd fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's very good. He he is very, very good, actually.
1: Yeah, he is great. I mean, on to the music. The score is, there's no other word for it, charming. If you listen to the the, the, the only real important theme in, in it is the main Ant-Man theme. It's a theme that's in 7-4 time, which is automatically really very, very weird. What I mean by that is there's seven beats in the bar
0: yeah yeah interesting
1: yeah yeah it's very interesting and it it's it's a it's a bit of a dancey rhythm it's like a one and two and one two three one and two and one two three one yeah and two, yeah and that that kind of thing and it kind of makes you kind of jig about mm. uh, and it's good a lot of the instrumentation again lots of shorts to and also strings and bongos and other rhythmic percussion when i things. hear
0: sort of seven four timing i'm reminded of the uh the now forgive me if i'm wrong if i'm completely wrong that the 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 attack on the death star has a 7-4 timing does it i can't think what bit that is do you know that sequence where they're they're flying through the 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 canals is that am i wrong completely you'll know this more than that isn't
1: 7-4 that isn't well it's in 7-8 but it's okay. a seven rhythm, so you get points for that.
0: Yes, that's what I think of when I hear that sort of timing. Yeah. I'm no, learning. But it,
1: it, but it is kind of like, you know, action, even though it's a regular, mm. it, it gives you that action feel. And it's used throughout this movie to get that kind of heisty, heisty quality in it, And but also adventure with the big orchestrations as well. It was composed by Christoph Beck, which is a Henry Jackman. With, Yes, I know. I unfortunately you didn't give me a space for me to correct you when you when you made that blunder, back back when My no mistake, Christoph Beck, fresh off his success from Frozen, oh um, okay, another worthy entry in the Marvel. Sorry, I mean Disney franchise. But yeah, uh, and I think he did a really charming job on this. It, a lot of the score is very, very engaging, very, very exciting, and although it's not a score that I would go back to and listen in my own time, I think it's very, it's not generic.
0: So Henry Jackman did write, he, he is credited as a writer for some of the tracks in it. But he Isn't wasn't that? the composer, yeah.
1: Ah, I see, okay, well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's I right. stand 15% corrected there. <laughs> 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 but no, I think I, I do love Christoph Beck's Score, but slightly odd for me. My main feature that I'm, I'd like to talk about musically in Antman is actually the soundtracky songs that accompany this, because there's some great songs that come that come into play in this movie. One of them is "Brombon" by Camilo Azuquita
0: Okay, you've clearly Azucuta. been practicing singing that quite a lot, haven't you?
1: Camilo Azuquita
0: Okay, nice.
1: Yeah insert, I think we should insert a soundbite of every time you've butchered a name in the book. <laughs> <podcast. laughs> Just to put this into a bit of realistic context. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> Is that the piece of music that's playing during the uh, the explanations that are being given?
1: It's one of them, because there's a couple of ones where um, his his mate played brilliantly by Michael Pena. Yeah. Um, is doing this kind of rambly story, how he heard this thing from his cousins, sister's brother's Brilliant, person, they're so good. Bro, and it's so funny. And you've got this one, which is very much a Mexican, Maracay kind of traditional song. Yeah. Uh, another one, Escape, by Roy Ayers, is a really good one, which is more of a black exploitation. 70s almost kind of like Tarantino-y kind yeah, of track yeah
0: I know the one you're thinking I can hear it in my head yeah yeah. and that's all about the kind
1: of like African rhythms mm. type thing and very 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 heisty like yes. when you know the sequence in every heist movie where you take a virtual walk through the like the floor plan yeah, with yeah, the voice yeah. of how you're going to do it Ocean's Eleven did it Adman man does it Yeah, you know all that, I mean, you get the... Exactly, like, yeah, all yeah, those, yeah, All those rhythms that are happening, it always bongos. Why yeah. is it it's always bongos? It's, it's mental, but that's a real highlight. I'm Ready by the Commodores.
0: Oh, I yeah, yeah.
1: Good I love song. every Commodore song. Yeah. I love the Commodores, it's great. Uh, the only one I don't particularly like is that last, the last track on the album which is Pink Gorilla by HLM which was very weird because it's the credit song
0: oh, okay. and it's,
1: it's a club dance number. It's techno and it's a mm. bit, bit of a weird departure from the rest of the movie and I'm not really convinced about its inclusion
0: mm.
1: but mm. The, the rest of those tracks are really fun and exciting in the movie and it really complements it quite a lot because I think Having Paul Rudd as its star kind of sets the tone of it in that kind of land of comedy, as it were.
0: Mm. I, I, just back to the, the sort of casting and, and I guess away from the music a little bit, there's there's three people that I want to talk about that are in this movie that I, I think are fantastic and I'll do one of them on their own and the other two sort to, of together. Well, no, three of them are obviously for their different reasons. Um, Evangeline Lilly, who we've obviously shot a household name from Lost um, and yeah. also in The Hobbit, but... She is great as, as, as uh, Hope Van Dyne. I think she's a really, really good Hope Van Dyne. Yeah. I think she's absolutely fantastic in Ant-Man and the Wasp as well. But, but, but you've also got, uh, you mentioned them previously, Michael, uh, Michael Pena and David Dalsmalchian. So David Dalsmalchian and Michael Pena playing the kind of the accomplices of Scott Lang. But both of those guys, for different reasons, are incredible. So I'll start with David Dasmalchian, who's obviously very, very famous. You'll you'll recognize his face from The Dark Knight, who plays the kind of the one of the um, the, yeah. the the sort of sneaks for the the Joker, kind of one of one of the guys the enforcers that works for him. The kind of mad look in his eye. He's, he's yeah. so so good. He is really on the rise, and he's going to be in the new Suicide Squad squad movie as the Polka Dot Man. Oh, wow! But you also have Michael Penna. So Michael Penna is In my opinion, and this is something that, take this, leave this, I think Michael Penna is one of the most underrated actors of our generation. He is outstanding, but he is not in any roles. And if I was a Hollywood casting agent or a director or if I was writing a movie, I would love to write a movie around him. He, he is just he brings so much to the screen in everything that he does and yeah. he just has he's never really been a, a leading man in a movie and i think yeah. he could have been you know you know I'm, th- I'm thinking you know some sort of like some crime movie or something that is so he could just, well he, he did really of- well he did really well co-starring with jake in, end Hall. of watch end of watch i love yeah.
1: that film well,
0: yeah that and, and he, he is so good in that and again like he's obviously jake gillenhall is the, more the leading man in that but, you know, I'm just picturing some, you know, like a Western movie with Michael Penna, you know, like a Western yeah. revenge movie. I just think he would be so good in that role. I think he just needs to, you know, clean him up. He's, he's done his comedy time. I think he, he could just nail a serious role. Um, but, yeah, that, but yeah that's, that's my only other sort of thoughts, and obviously not, not related to the music. I, I'm glad you actually brought up, what was the other actor's name? David, David Desmalchian. Someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I had a
1: very interesting discussion with my girlfriend about about his character, and that she really hated his character, and it's because he's got this ridiculous Russian accent.
0: Yeah, horrible. Yeah,
1: it's, and yet yeah, she's she's Russian, and it she raised a very interesting point in that there was absolutely no reason for him to be Russian.
0: In that <laughs> yeah, movie.
1: yeah, you're not wrong. There's, there's not, there's no backstory to the character. There's no there's no reason there's no reason for him to be russian other than to make a mockery other than just just this hollywood comedic you know brits are bad guys russian's a little bit silly
0: there's the cultural appropriation yeah of of just having these different people and different things
1: but you know and it didn't bother me like i didn't care i didn't care the guy was russian until like it very clearly bothered her and I, and I talked talk to her as to why, and she made her point, and I was like, you know what, you're absolutely right. There's yeah. no reason for him to be Russian, and now I kind of don't like it now, because...
0: The MCU movies why? are, the MCU movies, though, are very famously very good with their geography, and their geography, whether they're filming in unique locations, Edinburgh being one, or, or yeah. they know how to market to an, uh, a, a you know uh, a different uh, area of the world. A, a really great example yeah, no, they of are this.
1: Really, they they are, no, they are really good at that. I'll just interrupt you and um, just very briefly in that because I I heard that they did actually film Sokovia and Wakanda on location in those countries.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say, well, I was yeah, and 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 uh, nowhere as well. Yeah, and nowhere. <laughs> the Nova Corps. this big big skull in space (laughs) but the um what's just on that the the when they were marketing sorry back to captain america It was a fun fact i forgot for you you know how he's got that list of things that he needs to remember and when he adds to it and stuff everywhere you go in the world that changes depending on the yeah it's a different version it's a different version of that list everywhere you go so the UK version it's like the Beatles and Sir Sean Connery and stuff even when you go to Brazil it's got the things that are famous to Brazilians and there's a there's a there's I was reading this really fun article where someone had got the list of all these things but there's no reason why captain america needs to be remembering all these famous portuguese things and he's writing a list of all these famous i just thought why would you bother just make it the same throughout every single film but anyway, yeah. they're very respectful of their their geography and their location uh, as is they're quite good at that yeah so
1: all in all just for the sheer enjoyment of the antman experience I'm actually going to give it two thumbs up. It's not its not without its flaws in that, you know, it is a bit formulaically an origins story, but I really like the music and mm-hmm. I really like the tone of the movie, even within the predictable structure.
0: Yeah, I'm so going to give it two as well. And the reason I'm going to give it two as well is because it blends really well, the the original scoring and the... Uh, original soundtrack piece quite well, and I, I think I think it does that it does that very effectively, and it had a lot to prove Ant Man, and I think it did rely and lean on quite heavily quite on the music in this movie, and the music gave it something back. So I think yeah, I think it's I think it's a good relationship. Yeah. They, they 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 pair well. Two thumbs up. Yeah, definitely. And so endeth
1: Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Two. Nice, I like that. Shall we? Shall we, shall we give our medals?
0: Yeah, I was at bronze, silver, gold. Is it? Bra- bronze, silver, gold. I think bronze is gonna go to Winter Soldier. I think silver is gonna go to Ant Man, and I think gold is gonna go to Thor: The Dark World. Interesting. <laughs> no, gold's obviously going to Guardians, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Ooh. I'm struggling with bronze here.
0: Is it between Iron Man 3 and Winter Soldier?
1: Yeah,
0: it is. I struggled with that one too.
1: I, I went but with... Totally, I, went, I totally Winter agree with the gold and silver. I like, went with... the Guardians.
0: I went with Winter Soldier over Iron Man 3 because they're, they're so clo- they're They're just... They're butting heads. I don't know which one's better, but I just think that the Winter Soldier's theme specifically his theme and the use of the kind of screeching sirens is a really evocative way to yeah. create that mystery and that darkness which is why i'm ever so slightly finding that one better but then iron man 3's oh. got i'm blue double d double die so
1: <laughs> yeah oh my days i want to be different and give it to iron man 3 but i'm not it, it, it's the same yes. are, how, how boring are we how boring.
0: Moving forward? Yeah, let's move forward. So, to this section, I, I just wanted to bring some news to this section. Uh, and that is news on our favorite award ceremony that means absolutely nothing to us, but that is the Oscars. Uh, so, there's been a lot of debate over the past couple of weeks, I believe, in the, the high up officials of the, uh, the, the, the sort of the, the Oscars. And the, the the academy, as it were, and and what what they're going to do in light of the coronavirus lockdown and the fact that cinemas are you know kind of been off the table for a large part of 2020 so far, meaning that a lot of films are going to be pushed back, and and thus there might be a sort of dent in the in the kind of the best picture categories and the the best director categories and stuff, and maybe there's a little bit of unfairness. However, what they have decided is that basically. They're going to do away with a rule. Now, I was not aware of this rule. So do you know what? There's one of many things that, that a film must do for it to be nominated for Best Picture. But do you know what this, the old style or the old-fashioned rule is in place that means that they can, uh, they can qualify for that um, nomination?
1: Is it like a cinema release or
0: something like that? Yeah, but a specific, something specific around cinema releases that has to happen
1: uh they have to be in cinema for 90 days
0: or something like that so so 90 days is is the the average time that a film from from the release date will go to dvd so that's kind right. of been done away so so that average time uh it, it wasn't a qualifier but there's there's a lot of talk and a lot of the, the the news around this from that 90 day because naturally a lot of films are going well if we can't give it the cinema release we'll just put it onto netflix um yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of people are holding their cards for that. A lot of movies have went, no, we can just postpone it. The one that's in the the the, the nation's eye at the moment is Tenant, um, which has kind of flopped backwards and forwards. Tenant was obviously originally going to go to the cinema from Christopher Nolan, but then it was announced that it was going to go straight to streaming, but then it's now gone back to say that it will do cinema release as well. But it's taken into respect the fact that it's going to potentially open when cinemas are adopting some sort of uh, every second seat is empty policy, which, Right. which is mental. If you're going into a cinema, you're gonna get it. If one of the, If one of you's got it in that cinema, you've all got it. I don't care. Do you know what but I mean? Not, but not you've all got it. Yeah, you've all got it. It's a It's a it's dark, warm room. Everyone's shit. sharing popcorn and kissing each other. That's what That's what a cinema is.
1: So that's
0: not how it works, and you and know I, that's not and how I, it I, works. That's exactly how it works. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm an epidemiologist. But the I, I did say this, the movie that opens, the, the movie that's there awaiting cinema goers when the, the cinemas open again is gonna kill. And it potentially could be this tenant, which yeah. I would be all for. But the one fun rule that's that qualifies a film to be nominated for Best Picture is that it has to have been in a U in a, a Los Angeles cinema for over a week. Interesting. Mm. I, I did something. not yeah so 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 basically let me let me get this oscar eligibility has been a major question since stay at home and social distancing orders led to both the cancellation of major film festivals and the closure of cinemas previously a film needed to have a minimum of 7 days theatrical run in a los angeles county commercial theater in order for it to be considered now that films have previously planned theatrical releases but are made available on-demand services for quality, best picture, and other categories. So it's that kind of reaction that they're, they're now scrapping that rule, which I think is absolutely fair, but then it gives precedence to the fact that you've got, you know... Uh, the likes of Netflix and and Amazon Prime who can make movies of their own can really capitalize on this they don't have to do uh, you know open small cinemas for screenings like they have done in the past um i th- yeah. i think uh, Roma was was a was a great example of that um and uh, and what was the, what was it most recently in the um oh what was the one just well, this year well Manchester
1: by the sea would have had to do it for yeah yeah our- Manchester
0: by the sea you're right what was the one that was just i've, I've totally forgotten the oh that that was it, it was um Marriage story. story? Marriage Story, yeah, I couldn't, it was, I was like the Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, Randy Newman, um, Marriage Story. The other big bit of news that's changed, and this one is not to do with the coronavirus, but it's specifically to do with music and movies, is that initially there was two categories for sound production. There was a Sound Mixing Oscar and a Sound Editing Oscar. And as of the Oscars 2021, both of those will be algamated into one single sound award. And I wanted to pose a question to you. Why do you think that is? And what's your thoughts on that? Um, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I, like, I feel like whenever I see the movies, there's
1: always two aspects of the sound. There's music and there's the SFX, the sound, sound effects. And I kind of get the impression it's the same guy that's like, you know, directing that sound and I think mixing there's, that sound.
0: Or, yeah, I think there's or he's a got a team. team. Yeah, it's the team. But it's specifically mixing and editing. And uh, it's difficult because there's some movies that have won those awards in the past. You know, you think of Mad Max, it it it, it got a lot of the technical awards. The sound editing on that specifically the way that the sound weaves in and out with what you're seeing on the screen, when you stop and look at it, it's I, it would have taken someone years to do it, but it, you just take it for granted. But sound mixing, I don't know, because you're right, that's more the SFX team. I, I genuinely think they are two separate categories, but I'm only asking this question now that it's put in front of me. But I think another reason why this might have happened, and for, you, know, you, you maybe disagree with me on this, is that films? So let's take Mad Max for example. Mad Max is going to go down in history because it had so many Oscars. But the reason it got so many Oscars is because it got so many of those little technical categories that I guess when you know are kind of lost to history. Everyone remembers the the actor and the director and, and the best picture, but no one remembers you know best sound editing of 2009, 2008. Yeah. And yeah. I think by sort of narrowing the lanes, as it were, and, and kind of honing in on the full picture of it you 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 kind of don't have these weird anomalies where one film or 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 one person for example has just dominated the oscars i i I bet you the person who has won the most amount of oscars it's not for on-screen performances it's for these technical awards or 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 something that maybe i'm completely wrong you probably got a lot well do you know do
1: you know person that's
0: won the most number of oscars is it it's disney isn't it yeah it's walt disney Disney, yeah the man. <laughs> the, the famous sound editor. The famous sound editor, yeah. And Mixer, he'll <laughs> be livid. Um, but that's really all I have for moving forward, my Oscars updates. Do you have anything you want to bring to the show? Yeah, I just wanted to take an opportunity to
1: thank everyone who's engaged with the first bonus episode of Going Through the Motions, entitled Quarantine Themes, mm. on, on the socials who, you know, given a lot of support to the video that I made and it's really nice it's definitely inspired me to write more and to do more videos so yeah I'm really looking forward to diving into that that's kind of what I've got plans going on I have started the next one it will be up on the podcast later this week wonderful so very much looking forward to that and yeah so I just want to thank thank everyone for that nice excellent cool.
0: yeah it's a good one that was good great fun nice to speak to you i feel like we spoke quite a lot in the week though didn't we yeah we did a little bit i'm kind of sick of you yeah yeah i'm sick i'm sick of i'm
1: sick of the words amazon and xbox
0: (laughs) speaking of which now i'm back online we can play together again oh oh my goodness (laughs) stop (laughs) listen to each other talk more shit in each other's ears. i'm gonna throw you a curveball callum what do they need to do Oh, they need to go on to Apple Music and write us a lovely review. Maybe find a a couple of stars to click. Maybe five would be the ideal number. Uh, But I would strongly encourage people to tell a mate, tell someone else, share this information. I think Alex is putting a lot of bonus content onto this. And we're going to try and provide a little bit more bonus content because, quite frankly, you guys bloody deserve it. You're all doing really well. You're staying under lock and key. And let's just try and give you more interesting things from music and movies. As I said, if you have any suggestions or requests, the email is motionspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear them. We've had some really great requests in the past and uh, we'll we'll get round to them for next week. I have a very, very interesting one that I want to do next week. We need to discuss it um off air. But I think outside of that one, I know what else I'm gonna do. But anyway, that's that's all okay. from that's all from me.
1: You did very, very well, Cal. Well you. done. Although I, would, although I will encourage the listeners to not go to Apple Music, like Calm said, and to go to Apple Podcasts instead.
0: Um... <laughs> Apple Podcasts. C, <laughs> C plus. You get a C plus. <laughs> and I didn't mention Spotify. We're also on Spotify.
1: Yeah, I also did mention Spotify. But you're probably
0: listening to it on Spotify if you got this far in the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that there's the truth. There's the truth um, of it.
0: We're also on Facebook. If you want to find us on Facebook, now and again we put up some fun content on there, some fun things. I think we should probably start putting more engagement on there, maybe some polls, some questions, some some facts. Uh so yeah, yeah if you want to give us a like on that, we'd love that. Yeah, that'd be really great. Excellent. Well, if there's nothing else, uh thanks for listening everyone, and it's goodbye. Over here. I was gonna say goodbye from me. <laughs> oh, let's not do that again. We've already done that. <laughs> okay, uh, goodbye, everyone. Alright, ta-ta.